0: Hey guys, it's Lindsay with NBC Media. Thanks for listening to our podcast and be sure to look at our website for events that you can get involved in. See you next Sunday. Well, this is going to be our last sermon in the series that we've been doing on the Lord's Prayer. And this is called the Lord's Prayer, His Preeminence. Now. Just so I can give some credit where credit is due, uh, several, I don't want to say much, but some of the outlines and some of the illustrations that I've been using over the last six weeks come from a series that uh, Joseph Rogers did in his sermon series, and he was a senior pastor, or is a senior pastor of uh, First Baptist in uh, Peachtree, Georgia. Okay, but as in, a lot of the things i've had to adapt you know for our own specific purposes here and whatever but some of these illustrations you know some of them i find and some of them i use from other pastors and i you i like some of the things so i don't have to go around and find them all myself the focal verses that uh, we'll be looking at is the very last verse of the of the prayer and uh We'll get to that in just a minute, but it'll be verse 13. But as, of, uh, as we've been doing for the last several weeks, I'll read through the whole prayer. and You can follow along with it. So go to, if you would, turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6. We'll be starting with verse 5 and going through verse 13. So follow along with me, if you would. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly I say to you they have had they have their reward but when you but you when you pray go into the, your room and when you have shut the door pray to your father who is in, in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly and when you pray do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they will be heard for their many words <clears throat> Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead, and do not be led in uh, Oh goodness and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I apologize. I used a different version because I wanted to make sure we got that last verse in there because that's really what the sermon is all about. I've been uh, <laughs> been saying this prayer now for out of the ESV for several weeks and so uh, it's a little different in the New King James. Without a doubt, prayer is one of the most CRUCIAL and CRITICAL disciplines in the Christian life, and yet it's also one of the most abused, one of the most misunderstood disciplines. The disciples, they understood the reality. And so they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. Now, to appreciate our Heavenly Father's instruction, we need to remember the context. By the time the disciples approached Jesus, now remember, we've been saying this every week for the last six weeks. Prayer had become so ritualized, so, well, what's the word I want to say? Corrupted. By rabbinic tradition, that prayers had become prescribed. And the people had no idea how to approach God, so Jesus gave them this prayer as a pattern, as an outline on how to approach God, how to talk with God, how to communicate with God and to keep us from using the vain repetitions. Oddly enough, as this prayer has been handed down and read, it also has become somewhat of a vain repetition. I've gone to several churches that do it, and say it each sunday to the point of it's just old hat. It's just something you say. And Jesus as in our own prayer life never intended for this prayer to become a repetitious group of words. Just as other institutions in our own church. I one of the reasons that I that we don't do the Lord's Supper every week is because we never want it to become old hat we don't want to just become something you go through it is special as our prayer life should be I've said this every week and I'll continue to say this we should, you know, we should teach our children to pray, and there's nothing wrong with them saying the same prayer. But as they get older, we need to start venturing out and actually praying, communicating with God as this prayer instructs us. We need to learn how to commune with God. We need to grow up. Now as we've learned through this series that Jesus taught that we're to begin the prayer in praise by recognizing God as our father and honoring his name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I said last week that since I have been refocusing my prayer life Starting with the greatness, the praise of God, my prayer life has become more productive. at least I think so. I guess this would be a good time to give this little commercial here. Lindsay has developed a new app for our webs- or for our, you know so you can get it on your phones and stuff. and we are now recording our, my sermons again. Okay, so like if you could stand to listen to it again or something or say, I think I heard Dennis say something I I didn't, he shouldn't have said. You can look it up on there now. You can listen to it. So it's starting with last Sunday and it's going on. We're recording again. But as I said last Sunday, by starting off with the praise of God, the greatness of God, I've seemed to enhance my prayer life even more. And I hope that maybe you have learned some things either through our Wednesday night study or through these sermons, that uh, things that we should do to enhance our prayer life and to communicate with God even a little better. Next, we're to affirm His priorities as our own by, ask, by, by saying, Your kingdom come, your will be done. As we entrust ourselves into god's care by seeking his his daily provision as we talked about a couple of weeks ago give us this day our daily bread and then we're also asking for his pardon and to forgive us as he and to forgive others as he has forgiven us where it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then we're also to seek His protection from satanic attack and engage in the spiritual warfare by praying, lead us not in ten, into temptation. But as we close out this series of sermons, we we come to that final phrase that Speaks to the preeminence of God. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Now, this doxology is not recorded in many of the later manuscripts. Matter of fact, your Bible probably has a subnote there that says that. But and, and, and generally, I didn't add this because in many of the versions that I pre are the versions that I normally preach of it didn't didn't have it either. And I maybe I was a little mis- mistaken because as I was studying this thing, I'd always said that it was just a kind of a, an add on that was put in. And, I, you know, I, I really didn't want to um, preach on something that wasn't part of the part of the text but as i come to find out it doesn't mean that the lord didn't say it it was just a common doxology that was put on the end of these prayers and so it doesn't change any of the meanings and it certainly doesn't change the uh doesn't change the significance but it is known as a doxology. Doxa comes from the, the, or from the meaning of to give honor. And lo, logi comes from the word logos, which we know means word. And so it, uh, it's basically a word of honor or glory. Okay, And other places that use basically the same thing, David's prayer in 1 Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness power and glory the victory and majesty for all that is in heaven and earth is yours yours is the kingdom where you are exalted and head over all kind of sounds like the same thing doesn't it it was a common doxology that was used we're praying these things to say that god is great and no one else only His kingdom will come, and only His power will prevail, and only His glory will be revealed. So we go into the first actual point of this thing, saying "Your, yours is the kingdom. Part of this whole, lot, verse 13, yours is the kingdom forever. A few weeks ago when we talked about seeking this kingdom, we touched on the point that God has a kingdom. God has a kingdom here on Earth. God has a kingdom in Heaven. God has a kingdom, if you're a Christian, God has a kingdom within your life. So as we pray, Yours is the kingdom, we're recognizing His Lordship, His sovereignty over our lives. And Lordship is all about who's in charge of your life. It's about a person, a person's lack of authority or the Lord's authority. What we often miss is the idea of Lordship is that every soul is searching for a Master, even if that master is himself. They're always searching. I find it interesting as I read about some of these sports stars that seem to think that they have everything, or we think that they have everything. they got money. They've got a certain amount of recognizability. They've got even some power. But we find out that if you ever really get to know them, they're searching for something in their own lives. They're searching for a master. And many times that master is themselves and they don't know how to handle themselves. The last line I was asking, I was asking Lindsay back there before I got up there if she had ever read the poem by William Henley, the poem Invictus. And uh, I have, but only just recently. But anyway, I, I, I found that part of today's sermon was uh, very apropos. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Hmm. Spiritual warfare is the battle over your soul between god and the devil satan doesn't care if you swear allegiance to him did you get that satan doesn't care if you swear allegiance to him or to another person or to yourself so long as you do not swear allegiance bend your knee get down on your face before god satan doesn't care just as long as you're not worshiping god King David understood that, when he, uh, understood that when he wrote in Psalm 24, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. This means there's not one square inch of this world that God doesn't control. It all belongs to God, including you and myself. He is Lord over all but unfortunately we don't allow him many do not allow him to have control over themselves or what they have because they want to be their own master or they want to allow the devil to be their own master you've heard the lord adonai or you've heard the word adonai which means lord It means supreme master, the one who has all dominion. To make God your Adonai means to turn your face towards and to respond to His will and submit your will. A lot of the songs that used to be sung use that word Adonai. It's not so popular nowadays because it means to also submit. I found this little story of an old African lion. And the lion was feeling disrespected, so he decided to remind the other animals of his power. He went to a giraffe and roared, Who is the king of the jungle? And the giraffe said, You are, Mr. Lion. Somewhat bolstered, he went to a zebra and roared, Who is the king of the plains? And shaking, the zebra said, You are the king, lion. Feeling really good, he roared to the elephant, Who is the king of the jungle? The elephant reached out with his trunk and grabbed the lion by the neck and slammed him repeatedly to the ground, ultimately throwing him against a tree. And dazed and fazed, the lion said to the elephant, If you don't know the answer, you don't have to be mean about it. Isn't that the way it goes sometimes? We want everybody to know how great we are until we find somebody's a little greater. Lordship understands this truth until Jesus is greatest in our lives he's not valued at all so when we pray yours is the kingdom we're embracing his lordship over our lives and remembering that it's all about him i think i've used that statement in every sermon in this series it's not about us It's about Him. We're we're so insignificant. We really are. Oh yeah, God loves us so much that He gave His Son Jesus to come down to this earth and to die for us. But in totality, we are insignificant. It's all about God. And it's all about what God has done for us. It reminds me that when I was just out of the Air Force and started to going to going back to college, I was going to ISUE, and for you younger folks, that's USI now. But I was going to ISUE there, and I bought this this Volkswagen Fastback, horrible little car. But anyway, the thing had trouble. Well, I've told you before it smelled like gas, and it really really did. you get inside it really smelled like gas, but it also had trouble cranking over starting and so I had to take this car and generally, I'd have to park it. It's kind of embarrassing, but I had to park it on the hill so I could put it in neutral and and let it get going and pop the clutch, you know, so it'd start and if it was on level ground, <laughs> if it's on level ground, it'd actually have to. Put it in neutral and get out and push it to get going fast enough. I see you smiling. This is really true. And push it so I get in there fast enough to jump in the thing and then put it, you know, put it in gear real quick and pop the clutch and get it going. Luckily, it wasn't a very heavy car, but still, it was pretty embarrassing, especially when you had your date with you. Where's my wife? There she is. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, she wouldn't let me drive the thing much anymore. We always had to take her car, which wasn't a lot better. But isn't that the way we kind of live our lives? It's the way that many professing Christians are trying to live their lives under the power of their own abilities. Couldn't do, the car wouldn't do what it was supposed to do. I had to make it do what it was supposed to do. Why didn't I just get it fixed? Why don't we start living under the power of the Holy Spirit rather than living under the power of our own lives? Why don't we just get our lives fixed? Allow God to do His work in our lives. The Christian life can't be lived out of the resources of our own flesh or from this world. It can only be lived through the power of God as we live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. See, there's the problem right there. We're not living under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're not living what the Holy Spirit insides of us. Remember, each one of us who are professing Christians, we have the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit, living inside of us, teaching us daily, convicting us of our own sins. But so many times we push that aside because we're trying to live life under our own power rather than through the influence of the Holy Spirit. We are spiritually impotent while God God is omnipotent. We're weak, but He is strong, but we try to make ourselves strong. One of my favorite verses, Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It doesn't say I can do all things because I want to do all things. It says because of what Christ has done for me, I can do all things through Him. Or if we go on down to verse 19 where it says my god shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory oh we talked about that a couple weeks ago when we were talking about give us this daily bread god will give us what we need but sometimes we think we need more sometimes we think we know better than god god will supply our needs according to His riches and glory. The Christian life can't be lived independently of the Holy Spirit. It's just impossible. The Christian life is lived in the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk with Christ. And this is our prayer, that His power will always prevail. Now lastly... Yours is the glory, yours is the glory forever. Every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Revelation 5. 13, the glory of God is is amazing, referring to the very presence of God being made visible, manifested on earth and in our lives. In the Old Testament, His glory is seen as a burning bush or a parted sea, or a pillar of fire, and in a number of other ways. Then, we see it again in the New Testament, in the person and the ministry of Jesus Christ, in every miracle, in all of His teachings and events. I don't know about you, but when I read of these different things, just kind of takes my breath away. The glory of God through Christ and what Christ has done. In praying, yours is the glory forever. We're returning to the beginning desire, right back to the beginning of the prayer. To hallow his name. And to bring into alignment our lives with one ambition. That ambition is to bring glory and honor to Him, to God, to Christ Jesus. We're saying, God, I want you alone to be the focus of my life. And I want you to get the credit. I don't want to get the credit unfortunately too many times we kind of is what we're doing but we should be saying god for every great thing that i do may you get the credit may the world see you through my life i don't want people to see dennis because unfortunately dennis messes up so if i'm getting the credit for the good things who's going to get the credit for the dumb things that i do I want God to get credit for the good things and blame it on me when I do it wrong. There is a struggle of the soul who will get the credit and have control, who will really be God. I found this little illustration I kind of like because, you know, I'm a football fan, but the story goes that the legendary coach Vince Lombardi once got into bed and his wife said, God, your feet are cold. To which we replied, Dear, in the privacy of our house, you may call me Vince. Now that's kind of funny. Was he really that kind of person? I, I don't know. But none of us would actually say that, right? Well, Far too many times we can act as though we're the ones who deserve that credit. So in praying in this manner, as Jesus taught us to pray, we get reminded that only God and God alone is worthy of the glory. He alone is worthy of the praise. What exactly did Jesus teach us about prayer? when we pray, we're putting God in His rightful place on the throne of our own lives and we're surrendering ourselves to His guiding, providing, and protecting hand. I think one of the things that I have learned most, that I have garnered most, while studying the Lord's prayer is that it's all about God. It's all about what God wants to do through us. And it's all about giving God the rightful praise that He deserves. Folks, there's nothing wrong, as we do in our own services, to make petition to god to help people who are sick who are struggling who are in emotional need who are in financial need there's nothing wrong with that but that should not be what our prayer life is all about our prayer life should be giving god the credit for which he deserves giving god the credit for how he sustains and blesses us each and every day he is worthy as the scriptures tell us he is worthy of all praise but so many times our prayer life omits that and also recognizes, recognizing that His will and way may be accomplished in and through us for His glory alone. I quoted from Andrew Murray a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to finish up with this. God is ready to assume full responsibility for the life holy yielded to him are you willing to fully and wholly yield to him today maybe you're sitting in our congregation today and you don't know jesus christ as your personal savior friends today is the day of salvation now as i look through this congregation i i all of you have professed and gave testimony to your salvation. But maybe you're not fully and wholly yielding to him today. Maybe you're kind of wanting to be the master of your own life. Oh, you wouldn't say that publicly, but maybe in your actions, you're being the master of your own life. Not fully yielding to God. Pray. I've done this. Pray, God. Forgive me and be the master of my life as you have always taught. Give up control of your own life. You'll find it to be much easier to live life when you're living for the master. Let's pray as we prepare ourselves for our invitation time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. Thank you again for the opportunity to preach this message, which you've led, led upon me and Lord to remind us that you are to be the master, that you, we are supposed to and must yield fully to your will. Direct us in this time of invitation. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.